friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your master neuro-linguistic programming certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Super glad that you are here. You are working on your personal development or maybe your professional development. And that is pretty cool because it means that you're somebody that really likes to learn the tools that are going to make your life more fun, more joyful, easier, more successful, more abundant, all of the things. So give yourself a little pat on the back. You did it. You made time for yourself today. Today, I want to talk to you about the psychology of behavior change. Now, why might this interest you? Well, for one, if you know the psychology behind behavior change, you can utilize this information to help you implement changes in your own life. So you can use this as more personal development. You can also study the psychology of behavior change uh, to help you help other people make changes in their life. So if you're a coach or you're in some position of leadership, mentorship, where you're trying to instill positive behavior changes in other people, whether you be an athletic coach or a teacher or a mentor or a boss, and you wanna help other people create change in their behaviors, listen up because this episode is going to be massively supportive for you too. Behavior changes are changes that we adapt in our life to create better habits. We all know that habits are what truly lead to results. Now, this topic is really pertinent to me specifically right now because I am coaching a 12-week group coaching class called Transform. And the whole point of this group coaching class is to support people in creating results over a three-month period. So they get to decide at the very beginning of the class what it is that they want to create for their life. And we start with a big picture vision. What do you want your life to look like and feel like and be like in five years? If you could just wave a magic wand and be living your ideal life, What would a day in that life look like? What would a day in that life feel like? What would you be doing? Who would you be helping and how? So we start with kind of these big questions to help people realize what it is they really want. Sometimes in our daily life and the day-to-day habits that we've created for ourselves, we get disconnected from the life of our dreams. And you are always in control. You are always empowered to make any changes in your life that you want to if you're clear on what it is you want. So as we're going through this class and I'm helping people elicit what it is that they want for their future, then we pull it down into three-month action steps. So what are the most important things to develop momentum around to create massive amount of change in three months 
that maybe isn't going to get you all the way there, yet it's going to be a pretty significant start to create in the life of your dreams. And it's going to provide you with the habits, the behavior changes that are required for that dream life. So we're in about week five. And it's been going great. People are already manifesting results. I had one person in the class that's already manifested 12 new clients in her business. I have another person that's received a massive amount of learning and awareness and release around traumatic childhood issues and now is realizing, oh my gosh, I think I want to be a life coach. And she's already started class to get certified. So the people in the class are creating changes. And also... As we're meeting week to week, it's very clear to me that not everyone is creating the changes that they want to. So it's my job to help them do that. So I started researching what's different about the people that are creating massive results super quickly. We're only week five and those that might be on the struggle bus. And what can I do to help the people that are on the struggle bus by teaching them and applying what the people that are doing to get massive results, how are they doing that? What specifically are they doing? What's the psychology behind what's different for them? And then teach that to the people who might be struggling a little bit. Now, the psychology of behavior change is this massive high chunk term. It's way up here. It's an umbrella term that basically covers all of the study of different factors that influence people's ability to create change. So we could say the psychology psychology of behavior change, what does that mean? It's just a general term for all of the studies done around how people create change and what influences their ability to sustain and maintain those changes throughout their life. So because the psychology of behavior change studies many theories I'm going to go over the few most popular concepts and ideas and most popular theories around behavior change that I think will really be helpful in supporting you to create the changes in your life that you want to create. I first want to start with the theory of planned behavior. Now, this theory of planned behavior basically states that behavior changes happen because of intention and that every intention is influenced by my attitude around that behavior, as well as the people that I'm surrounding myself with. So in other words, if I want to change my behavior, two things. Number one, I need to have a pretty good attitude about the behavior change. And number two, I need to be surrounded by people that support this behavior change. Let me give you an example. Let's say somebody wants to quit smoking, for example. That's the behavior change they want to implement. Well, number one, they need to have a good attitude about the behavior of stopping smoking. So if they come in with a negative attitude, this is going to be so hard. This is going to be so challenging. I'm not even sure if I really want to do this. Then they're going to be less likely to succeed. The other thing is their environment needs to support them. So if they're hanging around with chain smokers, implementing the behavior change of quitting smoking is going to be much more difficult. When I say these things, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Nothing about what I just said was mind-blowing information. But when we bring it down into reality, number one, what are we saying to ourselves in our head about this behavior change? 
Are we positive? Are we filling ourselves with positive thoughts or are we allowing a negative attitude to control the show? And number two, are we willing to change who we're surrounding ourselves with? Only you can answer those two questions. But if you really want to make some changes in your behavior, number one, check your attitude. And if you need help with the thoughts, because maybe your thought life feels out of control and you have all these negative thoughts and you can't help it. You really feel like you cannot help it. You can't control the negative attitude and the negative thoughts. Then you can see someone that can actually help you train your brain to be more positive more of the time. I say it on every episode. You can choose to go see a therapist or you can choose to go see a certified neuro-linguistic programming life coach. If you choose one of those two avenues, you're going to be working with someone who's trained to change the neurological connections in the brain to help you be more positive more of the time. Of course, I'm a life coach, so I'm a little bit biased. I think that neuro-linguistic programming is faster. However, you've heard me say on other episodes, there are benefits to therapy. Number one, it's very cost effective. And a lot of employers will give free sessions in their healthcare plan. So if your healthcare provider provides you with free therapy sessions, take advantage of those. It's absolutely no cost. A lot of life coaches do not accept insurance. So you kind of got to weigh out what's more important to you, faster results, which would be life coaching, neuro-linguistic programming, or free results that might take longer. That is completely up to you. Either way, you can get support with the way that you are talking to yourself, your internal dialogue. That's totally changeable. Your brain is basically plastic and it can be remolded to support you in creating the life of your dreams. That's the first thing I'll say. The second thing that I'll say is that you're much more in control of your environment than you might feel sometimes. So in other words, if you're surrounded by negative, grumpy people or people that are doing the exact behavior that you would like to quit doing, in other words, they're drinking or they're smoking or they eat fast food all the time and you're really trying to implement healthy eating habits, whatever it is, if you're looking at the people that are you're surrounding yourself with and they're not modeling the behavior that you want to implement, change your group of friends. Now, this might require literally changing a job. This might require you hanging out with certain people less and other people more, finding a new community, finding a support system that is going to help you implement changes. But that is going to be the number one thing that supports you in creating behavior change is surrounding yourself with a supportive community. Now, one more thing about this planned theory of behavior change is that the greater the intention to change, the more likely someone is going to change. So a question that I like to ask my clients to help them even understand where they're at on this readiness to change scale is I just like to use a scaling question. So I'll say, on a scale of one to 10, how ready are you to quit smoking? This gives, yes, it gives me the information, number one, so I know where our starting place is and it's my job to get that number higher each week um, or each session. 
Yet for the client, it can sometimes be very eye-opening because maybe they're not even aware that on the scale of one to 10, how ready are they to change? Maybe they're a four and they're like, oh gosh, I thought I was like really ready to change, but there's resistance coming up and I need to work on that resistance. Or the opposite is sometimes true where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a nine or 10. I've never been this ready to change. This is exciting. So implement scaling questions to help you know how ready you are to implement changes. Now, I've been talking to you about the theory of planned behavior. This also goes hand in hand with social cognitive theory, which came about in 1999. And social cognitive theory also states that our environment and the people that we hang out with is the number one predictor in whether or not we can implement changes. Here's the other thing that's important to note, though, about this other theory, the social cognitive theory. It emphasizes that we are our own agents for development and change, which means the more I believe in my ability to change, the more successful I will be, right? It goes back to mindset. How how much do I believe in my behavior change? There's another key thing here, though. This theory of social cognitive theory also states that our perceived outcome of expectations and barriers plays a massive impact on whether or not we will actually make changes. In other words, how many obstacles do we perceive that we need to overcome in order to change this behavior? How difficult does the behavior change seem to us right now? If it seems impossible, then it's kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy where we won't be able to make the changes. However, if we believe that we can overcome any obstacle, we'll be able to. So another way of saying this is the perceived amount of effort is going to weigh heavily in whether or not I'm going to implement changes. Now, here's the thing about perceived amount of effort. This is where I think most people get stuck. And I'm going to tell you what you can do about it to help you. I think that the reason why most people get stuck on perceived amount of effort is because of possibly past failure. So if someone has tried to quit smoking in the past, or they have tried to create an exercise program and stick to an exercise program in the past, and they have failed, then the amount of difficulty that they're bringing in to this new goal, the perceived amount of difficulty is going to be larger than someone who's never failed, right? Makes sense. Nothing, again, nothing I'm saying is like earth shattering. It's stuff that makes since how many times have I tried before and failed and how is that messing with my mindset and my ability to believe in myself again here's what I'm going to say about that if you have past history that's inhibiting your future vision because it is keeping you stuck in a cycle where you are recreating a self-fulfilling prophecy where you fail over and over and over again and you're free from that and If I'm speaking your language right now because you're like, oh, yeah, hands in the air. I try. I don't believe in myself. Self-fulfilling prophecy. I quit. I give up. I don't want to do this three days in. Okay, here's what you can do. You're going to get with an EMDR therapist who is certified to change past memories. Or you're going to get with a NLP certified, and I would recommend a master NLP certified coach who can 
deal with, it's called trauma release in NLP. And basically though, even if you don't quantify a past history of something as being quote unquote traumatic, the outcome is the same. You work on the past experiences and kind of erase whatever baggage you've been carrying. So you're going to release negative thoughts. You're going to release negative emotions. You're going to release the limiting decisions, limiting beliefs that are being carried into your present circumstance because of past events. So you can actually change your past memories. Now, what does that actually mean? Do my, am I going in a time machine and changing the past? The event stays the same. Time is time. We can't reverse or change time, although that'd be pretty cool. What we can do, though, is we can change our perception of what happened in the past. We can change our ideas around what happened in the past. We can change our takeaways. We can change our learnings. We can change our neurological connections that are made in the brain. Let me give you an example of this. If somebody gets in a car accident, you're free from this, okay? This is just an example. If somebody gets in a car accident and then getting behind the wheel again is scary because every time I get behind the wheel, I'm flooded with anxiety. I'm flooded with fear. I'm flooded with anxious, nervous looking about for the next accident, okay? This is because of a past event that has taught my unconscious mind to be hypervigilant. Hypervigilant, look out. Bad things happen when you're on the road. Maybe that's a limiting decision. And then the negative emotion is fear and anxiety, all because of a past event. Well, here's what you can do. When you are with an EMDR therapist or a master certified neurolinguistic programming coach, they have the ability to take you back to that event and rewrite the decisions in the unconscious mind. So whereas before you walked away with driving is scary, driving is unsafe, I'm going to get in an accident, you're free from all of these beliefs. Instead, you see, oh, okay, that was a freak thing. I am safe. I did survive that. I am going to be okay. And these are not just conscious talking to yourself. You can get up in the mirror every day and say the conscious learnings to yourself and still be nervous behind the wheel. This change happens unconsciously so that the next time you do get behind the wheel, you do feel different at the unconscious level. You're like, wow, I'm empowered. I'm confident. I'm a good driver. I have new learnings from that experience. Yes. So you're going to take the new learnings of your past experience into your present to create better habits that create a better future result. Yes. Because think about it this way too. If I don't do the change work and every time I get behind the wheel, I'm nervous. I'm a defensive driver. I'm scared. I'm panicky. Maybe am I going to be a very good driver? Chances are I'm going to set myself up for another accident because I'm being too hypervigilant. Okay, I'm a nervous driver now. So maybe I hesitate and the hesitation creates future problems for me. This is just one example of how we can accidentally and unknowingly and unwillingly and unwittingly recreate our trauma over and over and over and over again. You ever date the same person in a different body? And you're like, wait. I thought I ended this relationship. Why is why are all the same problems here? 
because my unconscious mind is recreating it for me. So we go back, we change the lessons, we change the learnings, we change the emotions, we change at the unconscious level. And then guess what? We change our current reality and we change our future reality as well. What does this have to do with behavior change? Because remember, your belief in your ability to change is going to be the number one thing that's going to support you or drag you down. So if you're paying attention to behavior change in your life, I would highly recommend that you keep a journal, a thoughts, emotions, and behaviors journal. So you go to do your workout, let's say, or whatever behavior change it is that you're trying to implement, and you have negative thoughts and emotions come up, you write those down. Because then after several days, several weeks, several months, you can find patterns in your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and you can Pretty much, I can guarantee you can tie them back to an earlier event. So then, guess what? When you go to your EMDR therapist or your NLP life coach, you can say, I already did all of the front-loading work. Here are the things (laughs) that I would like to release from my brain to help me make more positive changes in my life. And your coach or your therapist will look at the things that you've written down. They'll help you go even deeper than you ever thought possible so they can help you release those things and reframe them at the unconscious level. Okay, now one of my favorite psychology behavior change theories is the trans theoretical model. I like this theory because it is step-by-step chronological, the phases or stages of behavior change, which I think is going to be very eye-opening for you to understand if you're trying to create a behavior change, where are you on this six steps? Which step are you on right now? Which phase are you in? Whether you're stuck and stagnant in that phase or moving through them pretty quickly, you'll be able to see like, where am I on this scale of behavior change? How close am I to the end goal, which is that the bad behavior is terminated and the good behavior is fully adopted unconsciously. It just happens. Um, So let's go through those phases. I want to first kind of go through the phases by telling you a personal story because the unconscious mind learns through storytelling. And then you can hear how you can apply each of these phases to your own life to figure out where you are. I thought a long time about what's like a phase in my life that I went through where I created some bad habits that then once I kind of realized I was stuck in bad habits that were already formed that I needed to break out of. So there's a lot of choices that I could have gone with, but the one that seemed the most obvious to me was about 10 years ago. I went into a teaching credential program to get my teaching credential. And usually, I don't know how it works in other states. I did mine in California. Usually this program to get certified as a credential teacher was a two-year program. But I decided I was going to do the accelerated one-year program. I was like, I can do this. I do hard things all the time. I got this. So I did the accelerated one-year program. And what that program looked like. I'm going to kind of bring it down to reality of my daily life. So I was um, studying to be a teacher. So I had what they call a master teacher, which meant the teacher of the classroom 
I would go in and meet with the master teacher and I was what's called a student teacher. And we, he would talk to me about um, what he wanted to teach and, and, you know, what curriculum we needed to get through. And then I would take the curriculum and basically come up with the lesson plans and do the teaching. And then he would critique me and give me feedback. So this was part of the credentialing program. The other part of the credentialing program was that I went to to college to be taught how to be a teacher from college professors. Okay, so I already had my bachelor's in English. So I was in a teaching credential program to to get my English teaching credential. What did that mean for my life? It meant I had to be in the classroom teaching high school English from 7.15 in the morning till sometimes two in the afternoon. Then I would commute to the the local college I went to Sacramento College I would commute there then I would be in class as a student from three o'clock to seven o'clock at night then I would commute home it would take me an hour to get home when I got home I was not my day was not done because I had homework to do as a student in college and I had lesson planning to do for the next day when I woke up and went to school the next day to teach and I had to grade the homework assignments that were turned in by the students. So I was doing a full-time job and a full-time credential program essentially at the same time. It was very stressful. It was probably the most stressful season of my life. And also at that same time, because I didn't know how intense this was going to be, I was um, on a synchronized ice skating team that met every Sunday for three to four hours, and we did traveling competitions throughout the year. Oy, because I didn't know that I should have probably quit the team, and I was like, well, I want something that's me and something that's fun and something that creates joy in my life in the midst of all this chaos, so I'm just going to do it. Uh, At the same time, I was dating my now husband. We were dating, and we got engaged in December, which meant the last half of the school year, I was adding on wedding planning on top of all of that. (laughs) It was crazy. Would I do that again? Absolutely not. I've learned a lot of lessons from that. Um, But essentially, because this was my lifestyle at the time, I developed a lot of bad habits in my eating habits which led to bad habits in my sleeping habits. And so I would basically wake up stressed out of my mind. I had to go to work. I had to teach all day and I had school at night. So I would just drive through Starbucks every morning, get my Starbucks coffee and my breakfast. And then I would go teach. And then I would drive through and get food on the way from school to Uh, the college. And then I would drive through something on the way home and eat in my car on the way home before I had to do homework, lesson plan and grade papers. It was the most unhealthy lifestyle of my entire life. (laughs) Thankfully, it was just one year. However, the problem was this created some bad habits that I took into my marriage because I wasn't cooking for myself. Uh, I wasn't even cleaning my living space. It was just like, get up, go come home. Um, I wasn't sleeping well because of the amount of stress. I wasn't exercising because frankly, there was no time aside from the skating routines that I was doing on Sundays. That's it. That was the only exercise I was getting. 
So you look at these bad habits and I was in what was called the pre-contemplation phase, which means pre-contemplation phase just means you have bad habits, but you don't really care. You're not ready to change. Um, There's no desire to change. There's no plan to change. You're just in the habits that eventually you're going to decide need changing. So pre-contemplation just means you're at ground zero. You've not made any decisions to change. Now, when you get to the next phase, the contemplation phase, this is the phase where the individual is intending to make changes in their life within the next six months. So contemplation doesn't even mean I'm ready to change tomorrow. Contemplation means I've begun to think about the possibility of creating change in the next six months. Now, when these clients come to me and they'll they'll come to me because they do feel like they're kind of sort of ready to make changes. And then we get to the end of the consultation and they're just not ready to move forward typically because they haven't made it to the next phase, which I'm going to get to. So this is very common. It doesn't upset me at all when people get to the end of the call and they're like, eh, yeah, I'm just not ready for coaching or to implement changes. It just is evidence to me that they're in contemplation. They're not in pre-contemplation. That Those people don't call me <laughs> at all. They're in contemplation, meaning I've been thinking about implementing the changes, but for whatever reason, I'm not ready today. I'm just kind of thinking about the possibilities of change, Okay. The next phase, these are the people that typically become clients. They are in the preparation phase. So preparation phase is this person is planning to change their behavior within the next month. Like they're ready. They've done the contemplation already. Now they're ready to prepare to take action. So these people are going to join a self-help club, maybe, where they're going to start reading personal development. They're going to hire a therapist or they're going to hire a physical trainer or they're going to hire a life coach. They're ready to invest their time, their money, and their energy into making change. So that is the preparation phase in this theory. So the next phase after the preparation phase is action. This person is in it. This is the person that's meeting with their life coach every week. They're doing the journaling assignments. They're doing the release work. They're implementing the habit changes. They're working out. They're eating right. They're quitting smoking. They're getting to bed earlier. They're implementing a morning routine. They're doing it. They're doing the thing. Doing the thing is phase four. We went through three other phases first before action. So this action sometimes takes us a while to get to because we go through the other three phases first. There's pre-contemplation, which is haven't even considered making habit changes. Then there's contemplation, which is I'm beginning to think about it. I'm weighing it out. I'm thinking about it, but I, I haven't done anything. I haven't taken any action. Then there's preparation. I am going to hire who I need to hire. I'm going to get a gym membership. If I need to get a gym membership, I'm going to buy tools and resources to help me. Then there's action. Action is fourth. What comes after action? I mean, you could probably guess. After action is maintenance. This is the time that I am going to stick with the changes long enough to make them my new habit. 
So whereas action is I'm doing every effort to create a result. Maintenance is also another way of talking about maintenance is I'm not doing as much as the action, but I'm in maintenance mode. So let's take a weight loss goal, for example, because that's easiest to put into maintenance mode for learning. There's action, which is maybe to lose weight, I need to work out six days a week for an hour every day, making that up. I'm not saying that that's how you do it. I'm just saying that's what your personal trainer prescribed. Okay. Then when you go into maintenance mode, you can scale that back. Maybe you're only going to work out for 30 minutes a day or something like that. That's maintenance mode. I'm doing less action than before, but I'm maintaining my results and I'm maintaining my actions and I'm maintaining my habits. Lastly, and this is the step that everyone wants to get to, the last step is termination. Termination is a good thing. I know it sounds like where you're terminating the good habits. No, you're terminating the bad habits. So the bad habits have officially died. They've officially fallen off. You've officially crossed the finish line into you've implemented the changes in your life that you want to by terminating the bad behavior. Now, sounds easy enough. When I'm saying the psychology of behavior change, you're like, yeah, sounds easy. Just get to the termination phase. Where people usually get stuck is they usually get stuck in contemplation for a long time. I think I want to change. I think I do. I'm going to change tomorrow. I'm going to change next month. I'm going to change this year. When the kids are older, I'll make changes. When I get that promotion, I'll start caring about my health. That phase is a stuck state. Because I can procrastinate tomorrow for as long as I live, right? There's always in my brain anyway, in my mind, there's always the possibility of tomorrow. So I can procrastinate my habit changes. But here's the thing. Years can go by with someone being in the contemplation phase before they take any preparation. So here's my word for you. If you are stuck in contemplation mode and you're feeling a little bit of conviction right now because you're like, I've been saying that I want to make changes and I've done absolutely no action steps. All you have to do to move yourself from contemplation to preparation is get a resource. Resource up. Get something that's going to help you create changes. So whether that be start reading personal development, start talking to a personal trainer, start talking to the life coach that you want to work with, start talking to the professionals that can support you, the coaches, the mentors that are there for you. Take an online course, take a yoga class, do something. So resourcing up is the fastest way to get you out of contemplation, which you might've been stuck in for years, and into preparation phase. How do you move from preparation to action? I'll give you, I'll make this more clear. Preparation is you call your life coach and you have a a consultation. That's preparation. Action is after the consultation, you say, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm willing to pay for three months of your time. I'm willing to pay for six months of your time, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a life coach. It could be a personal trainer. Or you're gonna t- you're finally going to pull out your credit card and buy that online class that you've been thinking about doing forever. Talking to myself right now, you're gonna 
actually do the thing. You're going to say yes to the resource that is going to support you in taking the action. Now, taking it doesn't stop at preparation. You don't just get to buy the online course and then it sits in your back office. (laughs) You actually have to sit down then and do the work. So doing the work puts you in the action phase. Okay, let's move on and talk about what you're going to do to start making better changes in your life today. Let's close the loop on my story. So I was at a place in life where I was like, I've created some bad habits. Okay. I need to climb out of this hole that I've put myself in willingly, voluntarily decided to do it this way. Well, After I made it out of pre-contemplation and I was like, I think I'm ready to start making changes. I was there for a while because I, I knew that I just, I kind of just needed to get out of the program. I needed to get out of the program and then kind of create some happier, healthier choices for me. Now, contrary to social norms, I decided not to take a teaching job that first year. So after I graduated with my teaching credential, I knew that for my mental health and for my physical health and for me to develop better habits, I was not going to take a full-time job. I was that burnout and my health was that important to me. It was that high a value for me that I was like, I don't need a job right this second. So I took a, a much less stressful job as what's called a teaching assistant. So a teaching assistant can just roll up. They're not they're not um, a credentialed staff. They don't have to show up before the bell rings. They don't have to stay after the bell rings. They don't have to go to staff meetings. They don't have to have parent-teacher conferences. They don't have to grade papers. They don't have to do report cards. They basically just assist the teacher. They show up from bell to bell assisting, and then they leave, and they get to shut their brain off. <laughs> so that's the, now I'm not saying that all assistants show up that way, please. That's not a shaming statement. That was a toward for me. I needed a job that I could turn it on when I got there and turn it off when I left. So I applied for a job like that. I did that for a year while I then moved into the preparation phase of getting results. So contemplation was like, I I can't take a full-time job. Preparation was I'm going to take this part-time job and I'm going to hire a personal trainer. And that's when I hired my, uh, he's become one of my best friends. My personal trainer has become one of my best friends, Tyler Bray. If you're in California, Northern California, and you're in the Rockland area, he still trains people all the time, gets them in crazy, amazing shape. That was the best shape of my life I've ever been in, was working out with him four days a week. So I moved into action. And action was working out four four days a week with Tyler, working out three days a week on my own. It was learning how to eat whole food. Like, what does that even mean? Learning how to eat intuitively for my body, listening to foods that made me feel good and paying attention when I suddenly didn't feel good after a meal. What was in it? Doing the research on ingredients and reading labels, all the things. Because it was important to me that I get healthy. I knew that that's really what I wanted. And so doing the action at that point doesn't feel hard. When you're in the action, it doesn't feel hard as long as you have a clear vision and clear motivation of why you're there. If you don't have a clear why you're there, why take the action, 
you might slide backwards into uh, contemplation. So make sure you have a clear why, but we'll get to the how in just a second. Then I moved into maintenance mode. Maintenance mode for me was um, during pregnancy, I worked out a lot less. I was just trying to maintain my health. It wasn't trying to lose weight. I wasn't trying to, you know, overhaul my whole eating habits. It was, I have better eating habits. Now let's maintain them. I have better exercise habits. Let's maintain them. And then terminating bad behaviors like fast food three times a day, every day. I mean, I can't not believe I did that and didn't end up seriously ill, honestly. So here's some, let's talk about now the tips that you can take from this podcast or this YouTube, wherever you are listening right now. Let's, let me give you some action items that you can write down. Cause I know you, <laughs> I know that if you're listening to this, you're like, give me the good stuff. How do I implement? What do I take away today? So here's what I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, number one, start with a clear vision. Remember I said, there is probably a gap. Okay. For most people there is between where they are and where they want to be. So it's very important that you would get clear on where it is you want to be. I don't care if it takes you 10 years to get there or five years. It usually takes less than you think. But think about if if you had a magic wand and you could just wave it and create a brand new blueprint for your life, what would that feel like? What would you be doing on a daily basis? How would you be giving back to the world? Like, what is your passion project that if you could do that thing and it would bring you all the money, you would do it. It would just be a no brainer because it would be the altruistic why of helping other people and the unconscious, selfishly motivated why. And I mean that in the positive way about how it's going to serve you. So it's easy to show up for it. That's the kind of vision that you deserve to have for your life. So start there. What do you want to create in your life? Okay. Once you have a very clear vision, you're going to chunk that down into what is it going to take for you to move that needle forward? What do you want to accomplish in, let's say, six months? So you take your big picture vision. Maybe your big picture vision, let's say, for this example, is starting a business, quitting your day job, working for yourself as an entrepreneur. Okay, well, then what is realistic for you to do in six months? Here's my unsolicited advice. Don't quit your day job today. That puts a lot of stress on your business and it puts a lot of stress on you. What you can do instead is build and scale your business during your last six months of your day job. So you're going to look at, okay, if this is the amount of money that I'm making in my day job, what is the number that's going to be very comfortable for the, the financial number that's going to be very comfortable for me to build in the next six months in my business that then, and it doesn't have to match. It can, that could be the number of comfortability for you, but maybe it's going to be getting you halfway there. And then once that number gets halfway, you're like, ah, time to quit my job. Cause all the time that I'm spending in my job, I'm going to put back into my business, which is going to increase profits to the point where now I'm self-sustained. So that would be one example of creating a six-month goal for yourself is a specific number that you want to build toward in maybe your business. If your vision, let's say, is I want to live in 
uh, I want to live in Italy and, you know, just, I just want to be a tutor for children or something. Okay. Well then what is the first step? What do you want to accomplish in six months? Make it as clear as possible for your unconscious mind to be like, oh yeah, that's easy. I can do that. Unclear goals create unclear action steps, which create unclear habits, which keep us stuck in contemplation. So as as you can get specific around, okay, I want to lose this amount of weight, or I want to work out this many days a week, or I'm building to make meals at home for two meals a day, specific numbers that are measurable and easy to track. Okay. So the goal should be, oh, this is what I didn't say. (gasps) Tip number three, The goal should be immediate as possible. So I said, you have a six-month goal. So you start with a vision. Then you start with a six-month goal. Then you're going to make an immediate goal for yourself. Whatever your uh, definition of immediate is. I would say a three-month goal is good. Because the further away the goal is, my five-year plan, my five-year vision, doesn't really create any urgency for me to start taking action on that. So that can also keep people stuck in contemplation when they're like, yeah, one day I'll do that. Let's get clear on immediate goals that you can accomplish in three months that move you toward your six-month goal, that move you toward your one-year goal, that move you toward your five-year goal. See how this works? Okay, this is the, the a huge, huge tip. The reason for your behavior change needs to be for learning rather than performance. (gasps) Oh my gosh, this one like totally convicted me. The reason for your behavior change should be for learning and not for achievement. Okay, they've done studies that have shown that people who are performance driven tend to get frustrated and give in and quit. Yet the people that are more doing behavior changes out of curiosity and for the learning of it, sustain it longer. (laughs) Let's take this down to where we live and breathe. Let's say you're trying to do a new workout program, which I am, by the way, let's use myself as the example here. I am trying this new workout program. It's new for me. It's not, it's been around forever, but it's new for me. It's Pio and it's Pilates yoga. Now, these are two things that I would say I'm not good at. I am good at weightlifting. I'm good at running. I'm good at ice skating, Pilates and yoga, not so much. So I'm doing this workout the other day and the trainer, I'm just doing a YouTube video. So I'm not in class or anything. I don't have a coach. It's just me in the living room watching this YouTube video. She is going so fast from position to position, from pose to pose. She's moving so fast to the beat of the music that there were a few moments where I was like, why am I doing this? Shut this off. Like, this is so hard. Like, I suck at this. All the things you are free from all that. Remember I say your self-talk must be positive. But I had this moment where I was paying attention to myself. I was paying attention to the language in my brain. And I was like, wait a second. I'm blaming and shaming myself that this is difficult for me, that I'm not amazing at it. But the reality is, why would I have that expectation for myself? I've never done this workout before. I've never done, first of all, I've never done Pilates yoga. And second of all, I've never done this specific routine or choreography or program before. What if instead of being performance-based of 
I need to do it perfectly, which is where my brain was at. I instead go, this is cool for me to learn how to do. I am going to learn how to do this just for the sake of learning how to do this routine. I'm not going to worry about the results. I'm not going to worry about the weight loss. I'm not going to worry about the strength. I'm not going to worry about my performance of how great I'm doing. I'm going to take this as more of a like learning how to do it for fun. And so I put myself in the place I was at as a kid learning how to ice skate. Learning how to ice skate for me as a child was so fun because it was never about I need to be the best and I need to compete and all of that. It was I was in flow. I was always in the moment, always enjoying learning how to do a new move in my body and what that felt like when I did it right. It was always for the joy of it. And I was like, how can I take that childlike learning for the joy of it and apply that lesson to the new habits that I'm creating in my life? So that is my tip for you is the reason for your behavior change should be connected to learning. How can you do that in your own life? Okay, this is also huge. I said this on other podcasts. I say it all the time because it is really crucial. The reason for your behavior change needs to be for the positive outcome, not to get away from the negative outcome, okay? So if, let me say that a different way. If all I'm focused on is what I don't want, what I don't want, what I don't want, I hate my body, I hate myself, I hate this, I hate this reality, I hate whatever, uh, then I'm not going to create the mindset required to create change in my life. So that's called being motivated by the pain, being motivated by, in in NLP coaching, we call it away from. I'm trying to get away from the pain, but here's the problem with trying to get away from the pain. If I don't have a clear picture of what I'm moving toward and why, then I'm going to stay stuck in a stuck cycle where I keep creating what I don't want because I don't know how to get out of it because all I'm clear about is that I don't want this, but I have nowhere else to go because there's no picture for me to go toward. There's no vision for me to go towards. There's no path that I want to take. It's like, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And I'm trapped in this. I don't want this versus if I have a clear picture of what I do want, of what I am working toward, of what it will feel like on the other side of this, Now I'm motivated to go after something specific. So if I'm going after something specific, guess what becomes really easy? The plan to get there. The plan to get there is going to be really easy if I have a clear vision. If I don't and I'm only concentrating on what I don't want, it's not going to work. My away from motivation is going to fail me every time because the pain might be enough to motivate me temporarily. But as soon as it gets hard and I have no picture or vision of what's on the other side, it's going to stop me and it's going to keep me stuck in contemplation mode, which you're here to learn how to get out of that. So make a toward picture and vision and go after it. Okay, here's the final thing that they have proven over and over again is crucial to implementing behavior change. It's self-tracking and self-contracts. I have all of my clients do both of these things. So self-tracking in my 12-week program, Transform, I actually provide a tracker. I'm going to show it to you. Actually provide a tracker for them, which says, what is the goal that you're working on this week? Okay. And what is the, first we start with the 
the long-term vision. What do you want to create in one year? Then it's, what do you, what are you working towards this month? Then it's, what are you doing this week to help you get there? Then they track their behaviors on this paper. And at the end of the week, they have three papers. So they write out what they're going to do on Monday. Wednesday, they do a check-in. Uh, how well am I doing the things I said I would do? Am I doing it? Or what's getting in my way? And now I'm aware, if I'm not doing it, I'm aware of the thoughts that are coming up. I'm aware of my environment. I'm aware of my obstacles. And if I'm aware, I can create a solution. If I'm unaware, I can't create a solution. So knowledge is power. Track what's coming up, what's getting in the way. And then lastly, we have Friday results, which is what did I do and what worked? What is it that worked for me this week that I want to carry into the next week? What didn't work that I'm going to terminate so that I can continue to create awesome results? So all of the clients in my group coaching program do self-tracking. You can do this too. You're going to track your habits. Next, self-contracts. I do them all the time. Specifically with people who are like, I want to quit a behavior, okay? Examples of behaviors that I that I have clients make self-contracts about, okay? No self-harm, okay? So they're going to write a contract out to me. I, fill in the blank, promise that I will not self-harm between now and our next session. Signed and dated. That would be a self-contract. Another type of self-contract. I, fill in my name, will not have any cigarettes between now and our next appointment, signed and dated. Another self-contract. I, so-and-so, will not engage in pornography between now and our next session, signed contract. These signed contracts help people stay committed to their result, to their desired outcome. There's something about putting in writing what you are committed to doing or not doing in your actions and then getting held accountable by somebody else that takes you the extra way that you need to go with terminating a bad behavior. Or I don't even want to say a bad behavior, terminating a behavior that no longer serves you. Okay. So you can do self-contracts and find someone that you trust or I would say find someone that you trust. I was going to say, or do them for yourself and keep them in a journal. If you're finding that that's not working, get someone that you trust. If there is no one in your inner circle that you trust, get a therapist or a life coach that can hold you accountable to the things that you say you want to do, but for whatever reason, you're stuck in in a loop where you're not doing them. Okay, let's talk about the last tip for creating results creating behavior changes in your life. Said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. You are going to get surrounded by a supportive environment. What does this mean? It means if you don't have anyone in your inner circle that is behaving the way that you want to start behaving, you need to find a community that is behaving the way you want to start behaving. Case in point. This is why so many people love network marketing businesses that are that are up all about health and wellness, because somebody who has struggled with health and wellness and fitness their entire life can decide I'm going to do Arbonne now, or I'm going to do body, or I'm going to do 
uh, Plexus, or I'm going to do one of these other network marketing businesses that I am now surrounded by an endless community of people that are committed to their health and fitness. Oh my gosh, health and fitness is suddenly so easy. And I'm not saying it has to be network marketing. I'm saying that's why people fall in love with fit uh, wellness network marketing businesses because they're surrounded by people who are doing the habits that they want to do. So if you don't want to get involved in a fitness network marketing business, then join a Group X class. Group X just means group exercise class near you. So join a gym that where you you go to Zumba every week and you make friends at Zumba and you surround yourself with people that are doing the behavior that you want to do. If your friends are engaging in behavior that you no longer want to participate in, let's say drinking or eating, um, I don't know, eating at restaurants that you don't want to go to anymore. Speak up to those friends and see if they're willing to do something else with you. Join you at your, you know, your fitness group X class or something like, can we do something else besides go to the restaurant and eat and drink? Um, and see what their reaction is. If their reaction is like, no, have fun with that. Then you're just going to hang out with that, that, those friends less and gain new friends until you totally and completely terminate your behavior of drinking and eating bad food or whatever it is, the behavior that you're trying to terminate, create a positive supportive group that's doing the things that you want to do. This is why I'm a huge component of group coaching classes, even though one-on-one coaching gets people so deep, so, so, so deep. I cannot go as deep in a group coaching class. It just cannot happen. Cause if I have eight or 10 people in a class, um, you know, and we're all sharing the coaching time, then we're all sharing the coaching time. I can get people super, super deep. We can do release work at a deep level one-on-one and it's intimate and private. However, the thing that I love about group coaching that far, that can far outweigh what I can do one-on-one is the community aspect where everybody is holding each other accountable every week to the tracking and the self-contracts and the positive behavior changes. So that you know, you can interpret this as a plug for my group class, although it's not even open right now. Registration does not even open for another four months. Or take this and say, what can I get involved in where I can meet people that are going to contribute to the positive behaviors that I want to implement? And if you are interested in the Transform Group Coaching class and registration isn't open yet, you can get on a wait list by simply shooting me an email and letting me know that you're interested in the group coaching class at coachrachelbailey at gmail.com. So those are the theories behind psychological behavior change. Some of them, I didn't have time to go into all of them (laughs) because this research has been around for a century and there's a lot of different theories out there on the psychology of behavior change. I gave you three of those theories today. Uh, What I'm excited for you to do, though, is if you find this information fascinating, look up some more theories. Do some research on the study of the psychology of behavior change, because remember, learning is one of the ways that you can create better habits in your life. If you have found this episode helpful, please leave me a review, Uh, subscribe to the channel, like if you're on YouTube, do whatever you can to spread 
this channel so that I can continue to show up and provide free value for you. Even leaving me a five-star review will help me be seen on different platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, and those different places. So if you've never left me a review, go ahead and do that today. I am, as always, rooting for you. I'm in your corner and I believe that life is a journey and you are the one in the driver's seat. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.